Welcome everybody to the Exploring Middle-Earth podcast. I'm Grant, the Tolkien expert of this two-man show, and across from me is my boy Jay. 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 Oh, oh hey. Who is the Tolkien, uh, I'll call him aficionado. Yes. He's not an expert, but he knows quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And Thanks, Grant. Yeah. I've made my way up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There you go. Uh, so recently, we just—if you've been following along episode by episode—we just finished the um, our Hobbit deep dive series, where we went through ch- the chapters of the Hobbit and kind of explained some of the lore and the history behind it, um, explained some minor details and whatnot. Um, so we just finished that, and uh, today we're recording our 25th episode of the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, quarter to 100. Yeah, well, yeah, we oh. buy a gumball with the amount of episodes we have. If yeah. they were a penny. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I was going to say something else that was stupid, but, uh, okay. you know, okay. So, yeah, this is our 25th episode that we're recording right now, so pretty, I mean, it's not a huge milestone, but it's a milestone nonetheless, mm-hmm. so we're pretty excited, and we're done with The Hobbit, so w- yes. what do we do now? Uh, well, Bru- this episode is going to be all about um, what Tolkien drew inspiration from for his uh, writings, not just, like, The Lord of the Rings, but The Silmarillion, yes. The Hobbit, stuff like that. All his Middle-earth writings. Um, and we're going to be focusing especially on classic literature today. Yes. And Jay is... Jay. Uh, what would you? I guess you're, you're a connoisseur. I've never studied it, but yeah. I enjoy reading yeah. it. You're both an aficionado and a connoisseur. Yeah. Um, well, I, t- I took a Shakespeare class in college, but there you nothing. Go. I'm not an expert. I know, but that's <laughs> still that's still something. That yeah. still counts for something. So Jay's gonna uh, um, explain some of the classic literature, um, tings. Yeah. And if you're thinking, hey, Tolkien was inspired more by mythology, just wait till next episode. Grant will talk about. Yeah, that. and I'm, I'm I'll take that one away. Take but it away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jay, go ahead. Okay. Welcome, everyone. Oh, I already did that, so. I was just welcoming. <laughs> I never welcome. Them. Oh, okay. I just want them to feel welcome with for me, too. Let's do it together, then, okay. to make it feel more cohesive. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome, welcome everyone. everyone. Yes. Glad, we're glad you're here. Yes. And with us. Yes, both of us. So, um, I'm going to be talking about a few different books today, but I'm going to first start with The Bard Himself. Shakespeare. Oh. Shakespeare. William. Or not, Bill. Not Bard the Bowman? <laughs> no. No. William Shakespeare. <laughs> Bill or Shakespeare. Bill Shakespeare. Yeah. Bill Shakes. That's uh, that's something from, I don't know if you've ever watched Chris Farley. Like I've seen some. In of SNL skits and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's the one where he's talking about the van down by the river. Oh, like, yeah. Like, uh, he I live in a van down by the river. Yeah. When he's talking, like when he's trying to give a pep talk to one of like the kids or something like that, he's like, no, what do you want to be when you grow up, little boy? Or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. He goes, uh, I want to be an author. And he's like, well, Lottie freaking die. We've got a regular Bill Shakespeare over here. <laughs> that's a good. That's, that's what good. I, every time I think of William Shakespeare, that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. Not, hi, uh, not any <laughs> of his plays or anything. I just think of that. Think of Chris yeah. Farley. Yeah. 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 William Shakespeare has a reach farther than what he's done with literature. Yeah. It's gone into comedy. It really has, though. Yeah. I mean, he did. Not just, to get meta about it. <laughs> he did write uh, comedies. But yeah. 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 Okay. So the only thing funny was his was his face. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, um, Tolkien's letter uh, 163 to W.H. Auden, who, if you remember, is a poet yeah. and a friend. Poet and friend and gentleman. In that order. Yes. Poet, um, friend, gentleman. And Tolkien wrote him a lot of letters about Lord of the Rings, um, about or just about the Middle-Earth universe. Yeah. Um, and they were just good friends. Um, so... In 163, Tolkien is talking about um, 
or uh, he doesn't say it in the letter, but in a footnote to the letter, he says this. He says, take the Ents for instance. I did not consciously invent them at all. The chapter called Treebeard from Treebeard's first remark on page 66 was written more or less as it stands with an effect on myself, except for the laborious pains, almost like reading someone else's work. And I like Ents now because they do not seem to have anything to do with me. I dare say something. Oh, that's a big thing, too, Tolkien has is that uh, when he writes his stuff he emphasizes that uh the stuff comes to him or he didn't invent it he's just writing out a history yeah that's something he talks about which is interesting but um so he says i dare say something had to be going on in the unconscious for some time that accounts for my feeling throughout especially when struck that i was not inventing uh inventing but reporting and had at times to wait till what really happened came through that's what we were just talking about but yeah, yeah. So, but looking back analytically, I should say that the Ents are composed of uh, psychology, literature, and life. They owe their name to the Elda Enta Gaywork, Gwiwork. That's old Eng- or Anglo-Saxon. I can't can't pronounce that stuff. But of Anglo-Saxon, <laughs> in their connection with stone, uh, their part in the story is due, I think, to the bitter disappointment and disgust from school days with the sh- with the shabby use of Shakespeare of coming. Of the coming of the great Burnham Wood to Dunsane Hill, I long to devise a setting in which trees might really march to war, and into this has crept a mere piece of experience, the difference of the male and female attitude of wild things, difference between unpossessive love and gardening. So that ending wasn't really important, but the important part is uh, Tolkien's disappointment with Shakespeare. Yeah. You'll notice that most of the stuff that I'm talking about is him being disappointed with. Yeah, so then the he kind of does his own, like he's okay, like they could have done this better, so. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, the play he's talking about is Macbeth, um, and that's a Shakespeare play first performed in 1606, so a long time ago, yeah. a while ago. Um, and so the basic story of the play is there's three witches that tell a Scottish general, his name is Macbeth, uh, that he will be king of Scotland. Um, so, uh, they're like foretelling it and he's like, oh, is this true or not? And then his wife finds out. So his wife, Lady Macbeth, um, convinces him to kill the king and uh then he kills the king and becomes the new king but then he starts to get paranoid about it about people finding out so then he starts killing off people who or uh his friend who knew or who was there when the witches told them yeah and he starts killing off people and a civil war erupts to overthrow Macbeth, resulting in his death um so that's uh that's a big trope uh in itself uh shakespeare didn't invent it but a lot of people are inspired by that but um the witches later in this uh, story, before Macbeth dies, tell him uh, the three things that have to happen for him to die. And I'll I'll read some of it. It's hard to read Shakespeare by yourself when there's multiple characters. But um, so what's happening here is Macbeth is going to the witches to uh, figure out or to ask them uh, more about the future. And they send these three like they're like spirit type things yeah. that come and tell him what's going to happen. Um so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, the first one says, uh, Macbeth, 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 beware Macduff, beware the Thane of Fife, dismiss me, enough. So Macduff is another character yeah. in there. Um, and then uh, see if you can figure out the connection between Lord of the Rings and then this one. This is the, s- okay. the second spirit apparition. Uh, or it says, so it says Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. And then he says, had I three ears, I'd hear thee. Then it says, be bloody, bold, and resolute. Laugh to scorn the power of man, for none of woman born shall harm Macbeth. 
Um, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, you got it. Yep. That's from, that's later in with, uh, uh, what is her name? Eowyn? Eowyn. Eowyn. Yeah. I'll tell you about that in a second. But So then the third apparition says, Being lion meddled, proud, and take no care who chafes or frets or who conspires are, Macbeth shall never be vanquished until great Burnham Wood of high Dunsinane Hill shall come against him. So then Macbeth is like, well, that's great because woods can't come to life. Yeah. So then when Tolkien probably first read that, he was like, this is it, dude. These woods are coming to life. There's going to be woods walking, dude. But so what happens, it really happens is, um, I can't remember. It's probably, I think it's the English army and the son, one of the sons of the original king brings the army in and they uh, cut down some trees and branches and burn them wood and then walk with them so it looks like um, the tr- so they do it so that it looks like there's more people coming in. Yeah. Um, so Macbeth at first was like, I got this in the bag because I don't have to be scared of Macduff because he was born of a woman yeah. and the trees are never going to walk, <coughs> but the trees do technically walk, but technically not. Yeah. Um, I don't I actually have that marked, but you don't need to, re- I don't need to read that. I just explained it, but, um, yeah. So Tolkien was a little disappointed with that. So that's where the Ents came from. Is, yeah, is he wanted the trees to actually walk. Yeah, so he did. He had them walk. Plug walk. Plug, yeah, yeah. yeah. When do you want me to read the one about the ants? Um, oh, did I have one in there about the ants? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can do that. Yeah, okay. read the ant one. So this is the one about the ants yeah. where it kind of shows what he was thinking about for Shakespeare's play. Pippin looked behind. The number of the ants had grown. Or what was happening? Where the dim bare slopes that they had crossed should lie. <laughs> Dang, that was a really choppy sentence. <laughs> he thought he saw groves of trees, but they were moving. Could it be that the trees of Fangorn were awake and the force was rising, marching over to the hills of war? He rubbed his eyes, wondering if sleep and shadow had deceived him, but the great gray shapes moved steadily onward. There was a noise like wind in many branches. The ends were drawing near the crest of the ridge now, and all song had ceased. Night fell, and there was silence. Nothing was to be heard save a faint quiver of the earth beneath the feet of the Ents, and a rustle, the shade of a whisperer, as of many drifting leaves. At last they stood upon the summit and looked down into the dark pit, the great cleft at the end of the mountains, Nan Kurunir, the valley of Saruman. Night lies over Isengard, said Treebeard. That's good. That's yeah. good. So that's the Ents and the Huorns is what they're called, marching to war, the whole yeah. forest moving. I'm trying to find the part in Macbeth where that happens just so I can um, see. I don't know if I'll – it might take too long to find it. Um, But uh, that second aspiration, I'll reread that thing again. It says, Be bloody, bold, and resolute, laugh to scorn, the power of man, for none of woman born shall harm Macbeth. And if you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings, you probably know what I'm talking about Grant does Mm -hmm. because he's familiar with Lord of the Rings. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So – there's a correlation between the Witch King of Angmar and Macbeth. Um, the Witch King of Angmar was uh, – he was one of the Black Riders, right? Yeah, he was yeah. the chieftain of the Nazgul. Yeah, so chieftain of the Nazgul. We have an episode on the Nazgul. Spooky yes, episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the Halloween one. Yeah. So um, the uh, there's a correlation between them because uh, Macbeth and uh, uh, Witch King of Angmar are both kings that power has corrupted them and uh they just get corrupted by power which isn't yeah that doesn't mean that tolkien was inspired by Macbeth to have the witch king of angmar because that's just a common thing in stories is kings um being corrupted by power yeah. that was, it was before shakespeare so it's shakespeare didn't invent that so in Macbeth, 
like you said, they cannot be slain by a man of woman born. Um, and Macbeth is like, I'm good because Macduff was born by a woman. But in the store, in the actual thing, in the rest of the play, at the end, Macbeth gets killed. I probably should have said there's going to be spoilers, but you probably already know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is when Macbeth is fighting Macduff. Um, so, uh, Macbeth says, And easy mayest thou the interchant heir with thy keen sword impress and make me bleed. Let thy blade fall on, on a vulnerable crest. I bear a charmed life which must not yield to one of women born. And then Macduff says, Despair thy charm, and let the angel whom thou still hast served tell thee. Macduff was from his mother's womb, untimely ripped. So he was born by C-section. Oh. So, so he wasn't actually born from a woman. Yeah, he was untimely ripped. And that was another thing. <laughs> that's such a weird way to put it, though. Yeah. And that's I feel like that's kind of a cheap way out because it's still woman born. Yeah. Still C-section. C-section. Hey, C-section babies out there, you're still a woman born. So don't worry <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um yeah, so Macbeth gets killed by Macduff because he was technically not of woman born because he had a C-section. So then um in the Lord of the Rings um what is it Merry or Pippin who's with Eowyn? Uh, it's Merry. Merry's with Eowyn and um here I'll just have you read uh this what one is it? A second orange tab, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. You just have to read from when the Witch King of Angmar starts speaking. Do you want to set up what's happening? Yeah, so this is during the Battle of Pelennor Fields um, when the hosts of Mordor are coming against uh, Gondor, their city, Minas Tirith. And so they meet out on the battlefield and the riders of Rohan come and aid the Gondorians. And uh, King Theoden is uh, killed, or at least about to die. Like, he's wounded by the, the Witch King. And the Witch King is on his, like, fell beast, the winged dragon type thing that he has. And... Uh, so he's about to kill King Theoden, or at least like finish the job, and then um, Eowyn reveals herself because originally she was disguised as another person because King Theoden was like, no, you need to stay here at home so you can be in charge of everyone while we're away at war, but she didn't want to do that. She wanted to fight too and do her part, but she disguised herself as a man and rode uh, all the way to Gondor. And she revealed herself and um, faced the Witch King. She actually chopped the head off of the... Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm reading that or not. Yeah, okay, you will. No, I will read it. Yeah. Okay, but that's basically where we're at. And then Mary's also there because Mary was riding mm -hmm. with Eowyn um, because uh, he wanted to go to war too, but King Theoden was like, oh, but you're like... I know you're brave and everything, but it would... Like, it would seriously hurt me like if i saw you get hurt or something like that so he's like please stay with Eowyn or something like that but yeah. he's like oh, i want i want fight too because pippin's away in gondor stuff mm -hmm. like that and frodo and sam are in mordor all right a sword rang as it was drawn do what you will but i will hinder it if i may hinder me thou fool no ma living man may hinder me then mary heard of all sounds in that hour the strangest it seemed that durnhelm laughed and the clear voice was like the ring of steel but no living man am I, you look upon a woman, Eowyn I am, Eowyn's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin, be gone if you be not deathless, for living or dark undead I will smite you if you touch him. The winged creature screamed at her, but the ringwraith made no answer, and was silent as if in sudden doubt. Very amazement for a moment conquered Mary's fear. He opened his eyes and the blackness was lifted from them. Do you want me to end there? Yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah. So what happened there is um, 
Uh, the Witch King of Ingmar was killed by a woman, not a man. Because he's no living man can yeah. kill me. Well, also, technically, killed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Well, she was she was the one who did the, f- like, uh, like, what do you call it? The final blow or something yeah. like that. Finished him off. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Mary was the one who weakened the Witch King with his Morgul blade, mm-hmm. which was designed to break the, like, enchantments of the Witch King. So Yeah. So it was technically because Mary was not of the race of men that mm-hmm. he was able to do harm to the witch king and then it was because Eowyn was a woman mm-hmm. and not a man that she was able to kill him. So it's like a loophole. Yeah. Basically. So I mean it's the same idea as I think I like this better than Macduff killing Macbeth because he was born by C-section. Yeah. It makes a little more sense. Yep. But it's the same idea and I don't Tolkien never strictly comes out and says that that's where he got that from but it's kind of I mean it's un- the parallels are undeniable. Yeah. Um, oh also I was thinking of something too. I th- I I can guess with certainty where Shakespeare got the idea for the three witches. Mm-hmm. That's a popular thing in mythology, like especially in Europe, is mm-hmm. uh well even in like Greek and Roman mythology, it's uh they're called basically the the three fates or the the weird sisters. Oh yeah. Um they're basically or That's what they're called the weird sisters in the play too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They're called the weird si- and weird the word weird actually derived from Shakespeare's play the weird sisters because that mi- uh, meant more like magical or mm-hmm. um of of kind of like a supernatural realm. So that's where weird comes from, but now it's more devolved into like weird just something out yeah. of the ordinary, but yeah. a little more simple, but um in Norse mythology, I think they were called the Norns, but it was always it was always a group of three women or something like that where they they weaved the webs of fate or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of they always they always came into play when something big was happening for the main character. They would always kind of tell the character their fate or something like that. So that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shakespeare took a lot from other old plays. Like I think we recently talked about when we talked about the Northmen, um, how Hamlet is based off oh, yeah it's not based off of that st- it's they're taken from the same uh or like it's not a direct copy of that story with things changed it's just like a inspi- inspired yeah shakespeare but um so that's macbeth and how tolkien was inspired by shakespeare he's probably inspired by other shakespeare plays too but this was the only one he ever talked about yeah or ever mentioned in his books um okay yeah we'll just move on to uh we'll move on to the next one Okay. So thanks for listening to that first one. We're going to move to the next one now. <laughs> so the next one, um, you might not, people might not be as familiar with this, but it's still popular. I wonder if you've heard of this. Do you know who Dante is? Dante Alighieri? Yes. I, yeah. So Dante was an Italian poet. Um, he wrote The Divine Comedy, which was uh, probably the most famous Italian, or it is the most famous Italian poem of all time. Um, so Dante lived from 1265 to 1321. Um, so even longer before Shakespeare. Um, but he had a super interesting life. I'm not going to go too deep into it because it'll yeah. take too long. But the main thing is that he lived in Florence, Italy, and then got exiled from it. And that had a big impact on his life. And then that is what inspired him to write the Divine Comedy. Um, so what the Divine Comedy is, it's it's not... Okay, so back, back then, comedies weren't like funny comedies. It is a little different, yeah. Yeah, a comedy was if the story ended with a happy ending it was a comedy and if it was a sad ending it was a tragedy yeah so it's not like a funny haha comedy yeah it no won't have ha-has. you on the rolling on the floor laughing there, i mean there are some funny parts in it but it's not it's not comedy dude yeah 
um, but it's just called the Divine Comedy, and it's called the Divine Comedy because uh, it's a Catholic poem, and uh, it takes place. It takes, or it's Dante's journey through hell, purgatory, and heaven. So there's three different books in it. There's Inferno, which is through hell. Purgatorio. Dante's Inferno. Yeah, yeah Dante's Inferno. Then Dante's Purgatorio, which is purgatory. 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 And then Paradiso, which is heaven. And um, it's held to be one of the greatest works of literature of all time. And it is really good, but uh, it's a little confusing. Yeah. Um, I read it in English because I don't speak Italian. But Tolkien could read Italian, which was something I didn't know. Yeah, of. he knew a lot of languages. So yeah, he knew a lot. Um, so the basis of the story is, um, so Dante wakes up in these dark woods, and then there's these three monsters. There's a, a lion, a she-wolf, and a leopard. And they represent different types of sins. There's a ton of metaphors in uh, yeah. the Divine Comedy. But so then Virgil, who was a, Ro- who, who was a real Roman poet, who he wrote the... Aeneid, which was like the history of Rome, which was similar to the Odyssey. It was like an extension of that. Yeah. Um, so Virgil, who pretty much represents human reason, uh, leads him th- into hell, and he goes through hell, but he's like protected, and he uh, sees all these things that happen, and this is where like the different circles of hell come through, and then the yeah. cardinal sins. And then, um, and then after he goes through hell, he goes all the way down to the center. Okay, so the the... There's a, there's a lot to it. Yeah, but yeah. I'll just explain the basics of like hell. This isn't actually this, no, this isn't this <laughs> isn't like theology or anything. This yeah. is like uh this is Tolkien's like liter or not Tolkien, Dante's literary uh idea of it. So the yeah. idea is that hell's the center of hell is the center of earth. So he goes down into earth and then when he gets into the center of hell where Satan is, Satan's stuck in this ice and then once he comes he has to climb down Satan's body and then into it like inverts into purgatory so yeah. he starts going up and then into heaven so virgil leads him through hell and purgatory and then once he gets to heaven he's led by this girl named beatrice who's like this girl he loves um and she's supposed to represent divine love but um so uh i'm only gonna be talking about uh inferno in this one because it's pretty much the one that has the most parallels to it yeah um so, how or was Tolkien familiar with Dante? Let's see. He was. <laughs> or else I want to be talking about it. Yeah, I was like, what? So, this is from, uh, which letter is it? It's another letter. Um, 294. Um, and this one is, this one's a actually, oh wait, is it 294? I think it's 294. It's a super interesting letter. I think everybody should read it. Because what it is, is Tolkien had just gotten interviewed for this newspaper or whatever. Um and then they sent him the manuscript of it, and then he sent back his corrections. And it's kind of funny because you can tell he's like, uh, or he corrects himself, or um, he says, uh, or he talks about, he just doesn't, or he corrects them on little things, which is super funny. I want to find, there's a super, there's a funny part where they talk about his, oh, uh, so what he does is he quotes what they say and then corrects them. Yeah. So this one, he says, they say, Tolkien, tall and strongly built. And then he goes, I am not, in fact, tall or strongly built. I now measure five, eight, five feet, eight and a half, and am very slightly built with notably small hands. For most of my life, I've been very thin and underweight. Since my early 60s, I have become tubby, not unusual in men who took their exercising games and swimming when the opportunities for these things cease. 
I just thought that was a freak. I didn't know he was 5'8". Five 5'8 eight. Five eight and a half. Five, sorry, my bad. Yeah. 5'8 and a half. Yeah. You got to make sure the half because... So I was... We're you both and I were definitely both taller than him. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So this is letter 294. Um, this is one of the things they quote, and it says... This is a quote of him that he's quoting. He's quoting himself. In oh, right, yeah, yeah, okay. It says, Dante does not attract me. He's full of spite and malice. I don't care for his petty relations with petty people in petty cities. So what he's talking about when he says petty people, petty relations with petty people in petty cities. That's a lot of petty. Yeah. Is um in. Petty, 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 yeah. petty. So in, uh, in, fer- or in the Divine Comedy, there's people who are in like hell, purgatory, and heaven who are real people. And yeah. some of them were still living when Dante wrote the poem, which was kind of funny because if he didn't like a person, he'd put them in hell. Yeah. But so that's what he's talking about. So then he says, my reference to Dante was outrageous. I do not seriously dream of being measured against Dante, a supreme poet. At one time, Lewis and I, that's C.S. Lewis, yes. uh, used to read him to one another. I was, I was for a while a member of the Oxford Dante Society. I think at the proposal of Lewis, o- who overestimated greatly my scholarship in Dante or Italian general, generally, it remains true that I found the pettiness that I spoke of a sad blemish in places. So Don or Tolkien, I don't know why he, in originally said he didn't like Dante, but yeah, he backtracked on that. Said he liked Dante probably because, uh, Dante. I mean, as I think it's, it's not a hot take that Dante is probably better literary or more famous and better literary figure than Tolkien. But yeah, Dante is a cool name too. Yeah, Dante Alighieri. I think I'm pronouncing his last name right. Probably it sounds Italian. Mm-hmm. So, um, Dante Alighieri. Yeah. So there's a few things in Dante. Um, the main thing is that, um, Tolkien pretty much did the opposite of him Yeah. with, um, well, there's a similarities between, uh, Dante being guided through his journey by a person, Virgil, um, and then, uh, Frodo being guided through his journey up into the end, um, and like the guide switches and whatever um but that's also not a thing that tolkien probably took from dante because dante didn't invent that yeah but um there's one thing that they do focus on that they um both do opposites on um or both focus oppositely on is uh forgiveness and this is a big part of the inferno be or the divine comedy because it's a catholic yeah uh poems and it has to do with hell and purgatory and heaven but uh, Tolkien was also a Catholic. Yeah. Um, so he also had themes in his uh, works, uh, l- religious themes in his works. I got to make sure I'm uh, – oh, wait, that's the wrong tab. Okay, so this is from Dante. Okay, so th- it is a poem, but translated into English, they don't rhyme it because it won't flow right. Yeah. There are some that rhyme, but they don't make much sense. So this one is not – it's just an easier to understand, so it's not going to rhyme. So this is Dante – so he says, here pity only lies when he is dead, for who can be more impious than he who links God's judgment to passivity? Lift lift your head and see the one for whom the earth was opened while the Thebians watched, so they all cried, Amphimarius. Where are they rushing to? Have you quit the fight? Nor did he interrupt his downward plunge to Minos, who lays, who lays hands on every sinner. See how he's made a chest out of his shoulders, and since he wanted to see ahead, he looks behind it and walks a ba- backwards path. So uh, the basis of that is Dante saying that, or his take on forgiveness, 
um, in pity is that we should not forgive a sinner because or but allow for them to receive the judgment they deserve because it would be to play a higher hand than God to uh, forgive a sinner or have pity on them. And Tolkien has the, an opposite take on that. So do you want to read? Uh, it's the blue tab. And what this is, this is uh, when Gollum is with Sam and Frodo and, uh, or no, this is when Gandalf is talking to Frodo about Bilbo having pity on uh, Gandalf or Gollum. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like a flashback, basically. Yeah, so you can read Sorry, that. I was talking explain. away from the mic, but yeah, it's a flashback. Yeah, so read that and then I'll explain. Yes, sir, Jay. Okay. <clears throat> it seemed to Frodo then that he heard quite plainly, but far off, voices out of the past. What a pity, Bilbo! Di- <laughs> 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 I got that petty, 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 petty stuck in my mind. What a pity, Bilbo did not stab the vile creature when he had a chance. Pity. It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy, not to strike without need. I do not feel any pity for Gollum. He deserves death. Deserves death, I dare say he does. Many that live deserve death, and some that die that deserve life. Can you give that to them? Then be not too eager to deal out death in the name of justice, fearing for your own safety. Even the wise cannot see all ends. Very well, he answered aloud, lowering his sword, but still I am afraid, and yet, as you see, I will not touch the creature, for now that I see him, I do pity him. Yeah, so Tolkien has, like, the opposite uh, take on forgiveness that um, it's good to have, or you should have pity on yeah. uh, sinners, because um, he has pity on Gollum, because... Shouldn't it, be too quick to deal out judgment. Yeah, because yeah. it's not, technically, or the idea is that it's not fully Gollum's fault, it's the way or he's the way he is because the ring has corrupted him yep so that's just um two different takes on forgiveness from uh dante and then from tolkien and then uh this next part i think i have it tabbed in yours but um this is when uh uh, so i'm reading from dante sorry this is when uh dante uh first comes into um hell so there's uh so a little more about the structure of it there's um i don't think the catholics believe it anymore but they're used they used to have a belief in limbo which is right before hell where like if uh if they weren't religious but they weren't like bad people they'd go to limbo so it's like not hell but it's not great yeah it's just like a neutral zone yeah it's kind of like purgatory but you can't leave yeah because the idea with purgatory i don't want to get too into it because it'd take too long to explain all that but yeah so he's in limbo right now which is also funny i'll read another funny part um he uh so i'll just read this and tell you what happens so so dante goes into uh limbo and then he sees some famous poets he said that shade is homer the consummate poet the other one is horace the satirist the third ovid and the last lucian because of these spirits because each of these spirits share with me the name called out before by their lone voice they welcome me in doing that do well and so i saw that splendid school assembled led by the lord of the song incomparable who like an eagle soars above the rest soon after they had talked a while together they turned to me saluting cordially and having witnessed this my master smiled masters uh virgil an even greater honor than was mine for they invited me to join their ranks i was the sixth among a munch (laughs) <laughs> Dang, I, I had three words left among such i was the six among such intellects among us yeah so pretty much what he said is 
because um, he's writing about himself. It's yeah. supposed to be a dream he's having. He goes and meets like the greatest poets of all time, and they're like, "Why don't you come and join us? You're one of us." Yeah. Which is funny, but then it turned out to be true because he yeah, is that, that is true. But at the time, he yeah, you know, he wasn't. That'd be like one of us, one of us writing a story about how we meet Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, and he's like, "You're one of us. You're as good as us." Yeah. So. And we wrote that about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and we wrote yeah. it about ourselves. But yeah. then it did come true, so I guess it's yeah. fine. So there's some correlation between um, the description of Dante entering hell and Pippin and Gandalf entering Minas Tirith. Oh. Um, so this is Dante uh, entering hell. It says, We reached the base of the exalted castle, encircled seven times by towering walls, defended all around by a fair stream. We forded this as if upon hard ground. I entered seven portals with these sages. We reached, we reached a meadow of green flowering plants. The people here had eyes both grave and slow. Their features carried great authority. They spoke infrequently with gentle voices. Um, so they, so the main parts of this encircled seven times by towering walls. Um, and then there's the seven portals again. And there's the uh, defended around by a fair stream. And then we reached a meadow of green flowering plants. So uh, that's him entering hell. And there's the seven circles of hell. Yeah. And seven's a big deal in the whole thing. But um, yeah. do you want to read your part? Well, I was going to say seven is mentioned very often in uh, the Silmarillion, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I, I'm not sure about the Hobbit, but it's also a very big number, too. Yeah. That was also a Catholic thing. Yeah. Seven. Well, Catholic, Christian, whatever. Yeah. Seven is the number of perfection. It's like mm -hmm. a holy number. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'll leave with. Okay. Yeah. So, so Grant's going to read... Pippin and Gandalf entering uh, Minas Tirith. I'll read that first paragraph, and then I'll read a part of another because it mentions something that I would like to say. Okay. Um, okay. Pippin woke to the sound of voices. Another day of hiding and a night of journey had fleeted by. It was twilight. The cold dawn was at hand again, and chill gray mists were about them. Shadowfax stood steaming with sweat, but he held his neck proudly and showed no sign of weariness. Many tall men, heavily cloaked, stood beside him, and behind them in the moose, moose, <laughs> oh, <laughs> moose. <no. laughs> behind them in the mist loomed a wall of stone, partly ruinous it seemed, but already before the night was past, the sound of hurried labor could be heard, beat of hammers, clink of trowels, and the creak of wheels, torches and flares glowed dull dully here, and there in the fog. Gandalf was speaking to the men that barred his way. And as he listened, Pippin became aware that he himself was being discussed. Yeah, truly we know you, Mithrandir, said the leader of the men, and you know the passwords of the seven gates and are free to go forward. But we do not know your companion. What is he, a dwarf out of the mountains in the north? We wish for no strangers in the land at this time, unless they be mighty men of arms in whose faith and help we can trust. Yeah, so that's like, that's a description of them uh, going up to, I think it's called the... Um, the the ramas which means the long wall um which guarded the pelinor fields so that was when they were entering through the wall and it was like a ruined wall into a field like a meadow mm -hmm. and then he talked i'm i wanted to mention the seven gates yeah because there are seven gates of Minas Tirith, mm -hmm. um and literally technically literally and technically seven circles yeah yeah so yeah so there's that connection to tolkien averse again doesn't explicitly say Minas Tirith was inspired by Dante entering hell but um 
it's just a cool connection and, and it could also be a metaphor too because it was like they were about to enter like a war zone mm-hmm. and it was kind of like hell yeah and yeah. i also noticed once you when you're reading that um a big thing in dante's uh uh dante the author has the character dante pass out a lot and he uses it as a way to like pass time like he yeah. has to cross the river sticks um and so he just passes out and then he wakes up and he's there and uh Pippin was like asleep. Yep. Then he woke up and Gandalf is like his Virgil and yeah. he's the Dante. And then also with Mary too. Yeah. Mary wakes up and he, he finds that Eowyn was the one who uh was Durnhelm, disguised yeah. as Durnhelm. Yeah. And she was like his Virgil. Mm-hmm. Because she was the one guiding him. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's a lot. You're making a lot of connections here. Yeah. So that's what I have for Dante. Dante's really good. I encourage everybody to read it because it's really good. Even if you're not, like, religious, you don't have to be because technically it's not. Yeah. The stuff in it isn't no. based off theology. Um, I do have a I, uh, big part of the um, story. I don't know if I know all the cardinal sins. Do you know all the cardinal sins? No. Let's read them. I, I, know, like I know the cardinal virtues. Like the – I don't know. Let's let's see the cardinal sins. Are the cardinal sins same uh, as the, the seven, seven deadly yeah. sins? Do you know those? Oh, okay. Um. I can probably get most of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, jealousy. Uh, uh, is that? En- envy. envy. It's envy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, gluttony. Mm-hmm. Sloth. Yep. Um, anger. Yep. Is what I would get. So I got four. Mm-hmm. Um, These ones, if I say them, you'll be like, oh, that's obvious. Yeah, because I, I know those ones were less obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, other than anger. Mm-hmm. Um, like lying, or um, dang. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say one of them is lying. You wouldn't say that. No. Would th- you say they were close? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why lying's not <laughs> I, a cardinal sin. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. See, I thought I. I thought I'd get most of them. I technically did. I got four, four. out of seven. I can't it's, really think. Do you want me to say the rest? Yeah. Of it's pride, oh, yep. lust, and oh. greed. Oh, yeah. Pride, lust, and greed. Of course. Pride would be the fir- pride is the one I always think of first because it's. I mean, it's the one they say first, and I always think of gluttony because it's just a funny word. Yeah. And it's eating. I always one. think of sloth too. Yeah. Do you know the uh, four? Yeah, there's four cardinal virtues. No. I have the, these are the ones I have memorized. It's prudence, temperance, fortitude, and. Prudence, temperance, fortitude, and charity. Nope, not charity. Prudence, temperance, fortitude, and... Oh, justice. Prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice are the four cardinal virtues. That's just part of it, you know. That's not part of Tolkien, but that was just a fun little tangent. But yeah, read Dante. Everybody should do that. Oh, yeah. Have you read Dante? Uh Uh-uh. You should do it, Grant. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's good. And it's not that long. It's split into cantos, which are like... Uh, yeah uh chapters and it's a poem so it's super fast to read yeah hey everyone have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast well i'm here to let you know you can find us on instagram at exploring middle underscore earth or on twitter at exp middle earth if you don't want to look those up links to both of those will be in the show notes
Okay, so there's two I'm going to talk about quickly that uh, one of them is a big inspiration, but there's not a lot to talk about it. It's Beowulf. Obviously, everybody knows Beowulf. Yeah. Tolkien wrote a translation of Beowulf, studied Beowulf. He was he was an expert in Old English. Um, but I've only read it once, and I didn't understand most of it. Because I mean, I got the basic story, but... I've read it once as well. Yeah. And yes, I was like you. I got the basic story of it, but I also I also like looked up like a synopsis of it so I could figure out exactly what was going on. Yeah. But Beowulf, if you don't know, is another epic poem. Uh the author is unknown. We don't know. Never said it. We don't know. I don't know. Um but so it's a story of a Scandinavian hero named Beowulf, uh, who gains fame as a young man by killing the monster Grendel and Grendel's mother. Yep. Um because Grendel's Grendel's <laughs> Grendel. Grendel's mother is the one that makes him bad. But like like he has to go fight Grendel at the Grendel's mother at the bottom of a lake and he yeah. like gets a sword and he stays down there for a few days or whatever. Yeah. But um <coughs> Tolkien really liked it because this this is like bordering between mythology and classic literature. Yeah. Um so I'm not going to go too deep into it cuz Grant will go more into his inspirations with mythology. But he got he will um it is thought that um he did get some he took some of the traits from creatures in this and put them into like elves and ents and uh there's demon corpses which are like orcs um and uh he uh i i'm not even gonna try to pronounce the old english words you can do that next episode okay yeah but there's a bunch of old english stuff in there but um it's just uh tolkien was very familiar with beowulf the story because he wrote uh translation is that the one you read the Tolkien translation. Yeah, I wrote his yeah translation. Yeah, I don't I don't have the Tolkien translation, so I don't read it. But it was really it was good. Probably good. He yeah. did a really good job of that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So Beowulf is another one, and then lastly, Charles Dickens. Um, Dickens was another author that Tolkien was not very impressed with. Yeah. Which is weird because these like Shakespeare, Dante, and Dickens are like undeniably like super good authors. Yeah. Or poets or whatever. Um, and uh, he just didn't like them. Well, he didn't. It's not like he didn't like them completely. He just didn't like everything that they were doing. Yeah. Um, My mom really likes Charles Dickens. I think she has, like, most, if not all, of his books and, like, yeah. really old copies of them, too. They're really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Shout out to Grant's mom, dude. Yeah. If you ever want to talk about Dickens, I'll talk about Dickens with you. I like Dickens, too. <laughs> The, the Charles, author, Charles, Charles, Charles Dickens, Chuck, yes, if you will, Chuck Dickens, Chuck Dickens, <laughs> yes. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's. What if your name was Richard Dickens <laughs> and like you went by Dick and it was Dick Dickens, Dick Dickens, Dick Dickens? That's gonna that's that's, that's gonna, gonna be, be cool. Crazy. That's <laughs> gotta be crazy. <laughs> I was about to say that's gonna be cool, but mm-hmm. I meant to say that's that's cool. Uh, that's all I meant. Yeah. So here, this is from, uh, or this is from. Tolkien's letter. Wait, what the heck? Which one is this? What the five or two fifty seven? Um, and he's writing, and at the very end, he says, "Yes, CSL, who C.S. Lewis, obviously, yes. was my closest friend from about nineteen twenty seven to nineteen forty, and remained very dear to me." That's funny that he has the dates. Like, <laughs> he's my yeah. friend from here to there. Yeah, but yeah, his death was a grievous. Well, oh, I've been keep, probably because he I've died at nineteen forty. Oh, That's probably yeah. why. He, I've been keeping track you and i too. oh really yeah yeah so as soon as you do anything like stupid then i'm gonna be like all right so yeah. we were friends from this <laughs> till i do something stupid or die 
or die. Yeah. yeah, that's a major factor. Too. Yeah. So his death was a grievous, grievous, <laughs> grievous blow. But in fact, we saw less and less of one another after he came under his dominant influence of Charles Williams, and still less after his very strange marriage. I read Pilgrim's Progress in MS. I don't know. I don't know what MS is. And I have never been able to enjoy Pickwick. Now I find the Lord of the Rings in good in parts, and I must now end with deep apologies for my garrulity. I don't even know what that word is. I hope, however, that is interesting in parts. So Tolkien said, I've never been able to enjoy Pickwick. Pickwick the Pickwick Papers was a... Uh, it was a book, but it was like a collection of stories from... Uh, Don, or not Dante. We're talking about Dickens, Dickens now. Yeah. Um, if you didn't know, when Dickens released his books, he released them serial in serial. So they would different or parts would be released in magazines. Yeah. And then after it all was came out, then they would put it into one big book. So it's kind of like a TV show how it comes out once a week. Yeah. He would write <laughs> a section and it'd come out whatever. And also he was ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. He actually toured and read his books around yeah he came he like toured in america and would read his books and it was a big deal and he was super famous yeah um he's still famous now but um he's dead but he's still yeah, famous yeah um i don't y- know when you he might know his works like uh um yeah with Scrooge. make your mom proud grant yeah with uh, <laughs> a christmas story right? christmas carol yeah. carol yeah. yeah christmas stories with the little kid yeah do you yeah. know any other ones uh i oh. know pickwick i know um uh what the frickin' is his name? Uh, David Copperfield. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. Um. Uh. Uh. Tale of Two Cities. Yep. That was good. Um. Oh man, there's a lot of them. I can't yeah. remember them. Great all. expectations. Great expectations. Yep. Bleak House. Um. That one's right behind you. I don't. What is that? Bleak House. It's second shelf. It's the orangish book. See Moby Dick. Right there. There's the two Moby Dick copies. Oh, I see. And right next yeah. to it. Yeah, Grant's looking at my bookshelf right now. Uh, you probably can't see it because this is audio only. But yeah, Dickens was a big, big influence on a lot of people, and everybody read him. Like it was, he was yeah. super famous. But um, there's very uh, strong similarities between the way Dickens Dickens writes and the way the Hobbits talk, and just the way Tolkien talks about the Hobbit. Yeah, and especially in in the Hobbit, the book The Hobbit, because um, it's more childish, and just the names like Bilbo. And Frodo and all the Bilbo other and <laughs> Frodo and Hobbit names sound like they could be from a Dickens novel, very Dickensian. Um, but yeah, like Ebenezer, that could probably be a Hobbit name. Probably Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge, that c- uh, Ebenezer Scrooge should be a Hobbit name. Yeah, and today Scrooge is you know used commonly as like someone who hates Christmas or doesn't like celebrating it. Yeah, or one you know ruins it kind of. Yeah. Don't be a Scrooge. Don't be a Scrooge, yeah. I mean, it is the middle of summer right now, so... At least when we're recording this. Well, don't be a Scrooge. Don't be a Scrooge. Even in the summer. Yeah. But, yeah. So, Tolkien, again, wasn't a big fan of Dickens or whatever. I mean, I guess he just said he wasn't really into Pickwick Papers, but... Pickens. I've never read Pickwick Papers, but it's probably good. I haven't either. I own that one, though. I don't. It looks long. Yeah. It's big. But a lot of Dickens books are big. (laughs) sorry guys huh sorry so that's all i got for classic literature like how big though they're pretty big you know a couple hundred pages like 500 700 pages is that average though 
probably for for Dickens. For Dickens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he. Okay, had, just wondering. He, just he well, they're long because he would serialize them, so then they would come out, and it would take a long time, like a season, like a TV show season, if you took all an entire TV show season and put it together in one it'd long like, movie. It'd, it'd be, be like hours. four movies. Yeah. So it's the same idea. Gotcha. And maybe I think he was. I don't know if he was. Um, but some authors back then, like Victor Hugo, were paid by the word. So. Oh, that's cool. Um, they would have big books because they get paid more. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, that's all I have for classic literature. Wow, that was a treat. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Eh. Now we're gonna move on to another part where Grant's gonna take take the reins of this podcast. I'm gonna really take the lead here, and I'm gonna sit back. And enjoy the show. And and rest your mouth. We're going to Middle Earth Current Events. Yep. <laughs> I forgot what it was yep. called. Middle Earth Current Events. Yeah. Welcome to Middle Earth Current Events. This is current events on this earth yes. pertaining to Middle Earth. Yes. And from what I hear from our news anchor, Grant, this is a big one and an exciting one. Yeah. This is the Dickens novel of a uh, Middle Earth current events. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is as current as we can make it for you, the listeners, especially yes. if you're watching it right when we release episodes. Because if you're watching it like a year from now, it's not going to be current. If you're watching us right now, if you're watching us record this, then it's very current. If you're watching, <laughs> yeah, if you're watching us talk into the microphones right now, just know we can see you. Yeah, I only have one window open, so there's only one way you can look in. And we, we can definitely see you. I'm making eye contact with somebody right now who's Whoa. watching us. Hey, who is that? I don't know. Anyways, uh, so so there's a lot of stuff. I mean, by the time you, this episode will come out, it'll be, you know, a few weeks old by then. But maybe you don't know about it yet, and it will be current. And it still is technically current. It's only a few yeah. weeks old. Yeah. You know, um, with the with the fast-moving news of today, you can't. You have to be every hour right. Middle-earth current events. Sorry. <laughs> We but should we do can't that. do yeah. that. <laughs> That'd oh. be insane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I'll, I'll go through uh, a few notable things um, that have happened over the past maybe like two weeks or so. Yes. Or maybe week. I don't know. Week, there's two weeks, a, give or take. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yes. So, first of all, uh, Miranda Otto, who played Eowyn in the Lord of the Rings movies, mm-hmm. is reprising her role as Eowyn, but she is most likely, and this is for the War of the Rohirrim movie, oh. the anime movie, and was it 2024, yes. right? Yes. And it seems like she's reprising her role as a narrator, so it, oh, it seems cool. like she might be like telling people about a story of Rohan's history, which is what it is. Yeah. The movie's supposed to be out about. Yeah, because so she's, she's part of that race, right? Yeah, she's, uh, she's descended from Helm Hammerhand, mm-hmm. so... And she spoke Old English in the movie. I think she's descended from Helm Hammerhand. Yeah. Either way, I mean, you could have said anything. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think through, I'm pretty sure through her, through her mother, she's descended from Helm Hammerhand. So, yeah. Yes. So yes. she's basically telling a story about her great 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 grandfather, whatever, yeah. and also the history of Rohan. So that's all we know, though, is that she's reprising her role as the voice of Eowyn. I d- I don't think she'll make an appreciance i mean she might i don't really know i don't I mean think it's, hard, it's hard to make a live action appearance in i know anime. i was gonna <laughs> say it's an anime so i don't think she'll be herself will be making an appearance but may, it might be a depiction of her so wait are you, you so she's the narrator are you saying you don't know if her character will be 
in the show, or if it'll just be her narrating. It'll just be kind of like how Galadriel in the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring oh, okay. was narrating. Yeah. And it, like, showed her a little bit, but mm-hmm. it didn't, like, show her talking. Mm-hmm. It might be like that. Okay. I don't know. Okay. That's what I'm guessing, but that's pretty cool. You know, I'm trusting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, what's next? Uh, uh, what's I'm just next? scrolling through. Uh, okay, so another thing that happened, I think, within the last week was um, the Rings of Power released a promotional video. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not only for the Rings of Power, but also about Amazon's services as well, you know? Yeah. Um, they you know, they got to fit it all in. Yeah. So it was basically just a kind of like a play-by-play. It was about this, like, little kid who he was playing soccer with these older kids and he didn't really fit in like he wasn't as good as them and then he tried his hand at band in school but he wasn't really good at it so he was feeling really left out and he didn't feel like he belonged anywhere but then uh i guess like one day he like found a lord of the rings book like the the wind blew it yeah the wind blew it off a shelf which which is is that super strong strong for a book but you know you know that's the magic of amazon magic of tolkien and amazon yeah tolkien's amazon's tolkien yeah um so uh a copy of the Lord of the Rings makes his way into his hands, and he. Begins but it's to it's read the it. copy with the Rings of Power cover. Oh yeah, it's like the yeah, n- yeah that's what they were doing. That's yeah. a promo video. Yeah, so they were doing the Rings of Power cover, and so he started reading it, and he started getting like really invested in it, and then he finally felt like he belonged somewhere, and it shows in a few of the scenes. It shows him like under his blankets at night, like reading the Lord of the Rings, but mm-hmm. uh, he's also looking at a um, um, what's it called? I have the book at home. It's a, it's a companion guide. It's a companion guide. It's a like a Middle Earth companion. guide. Is it guide. the David Day thing or is it? No, it's different? the um, it's a like it's an illustration book by uh, John Howe, okay, who did the concept art for Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit along mm-hmm. with Alan Lee, and uh, I, it's called like a Middle. It's a Middle Earth explorer, I think, okay, or something like that. But um, but Matt from Nerd of the Rings, shout out. Which I Shout watch. Shout out to Matt. Dude. I watch all of his YouTube videos like every time they come out. So Ooh, that's yeah. love. Love um, So I was watching it, and he he's the one who pointed it out. But you can see when he's under his, the kids under his covers reading this uh, illustration book. Um, you can see the page he is on is a page of the dwarves uh, in the first age in the Silmarillion fighting mm-hmm. Glaurung, the the father of all dragons. And so maybe it was speculated that maybe perhaps part of one of like the um the earlier episodes where it's kind of like showing what happened in the past to get to where they are in the second age, kind of like how the Lord of the Rings did that. They showed what happened in the second age to get to the third age. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe part of that is we'll see the um the Dagor Bragalak, which is the battle. That'd be cool. The battle of sudden flame, or the the Dagor Nirnaif Arnoidiad, which is the even cooler. Um, the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Oh. Um, that's crazy. That's yeah. such a crazy name. Yeah. So, it could be that we get to see some of one of those battles, um, just to kind of give us a context of what happened in the world before the Second Age, and then we probably will get to see Glaurung for the very first time on screen, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but that's only speculation. It could just been coincidence that he was on that page. I mean, um, is I feel like they would have consciously chosen a page they want to just yeah because see. they probably would have thought people are gonna yeah try and it also makes sense because when they first started the project am or this was supposed to be like amazon's game of thrones and dragons are yeah. a big part of game oh of thrones yeah. so yeah. they gotta have dragons, gotta in have there dragons somewhere. Yeah. dragon 
these nuts oh, across your face. Dragging these promo videos yeah. <laughs> all over your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then also another thing in the in the videos, he was like at school and he was like happier now that he had read Lord of the Rings and he looked out his window and it was just his imagination. But uh, like he saw an Ent looking through the window and like mm. kind of like smile. I love Ents, dude. So it's also kind of confirmed that Ents are going to be in it, which yeah. Ents did exist back in the Second Age and mm-hmm. most of Middle Earth, like Eriador and all those places were densely, like it was densely covered with woods. We should do an episode on Ents. I love Ents. Dude. Yeah, we should. Let's do it. Right now. Okay. Welcome to Middle Earth. Welcome, to, event, er, welcome to, to exploring Middle Earth. <laughs> I was just trying to phase you. Oh. I But I don't, get, phased? I don't get phased, dude. I don't get phased either, man. I don't get phased. I get faded. Uh, What? <laughs> Anyways, so it, it showed an ant. It was a good-looking ant, good too, looking. but it, it probably wasn't, like, a final... Like, attractive or, like, just looks well, good? I, I'll just leave that for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of confirms that there's going to be ants, which I was saying earlier it makes sense because most of Eriador was forest and stuff like that, and uh, even Treebeard mentions that a long time ago, uh, the woods, like, from the old forest near the Shire used to be connected all the way to Fangorn Forest. So, uh, I mean... We could have Ents in there. That'd be sick. I, I, and I bet you anything, the Hobbits. Well, actually, no. I okay. So, I bet you the Hobbits are gonna meet the Ents in the Rings of Power show. Mm-hmm. But that also doesn't make sense because Treebeard mentions the fact that he had never heard yeah. of Hobbits before. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's what they would want to do. Yeah. With the show, maybe we'll get to see Ent wives. And yeah, we'll probably be able to see Ent wives because yeah. they weren't lost at this time. Lady Ents. Yeah. And so that's just kind of, and then the kid goes off and he sees like some ad on a billboard or something like that. And then he goes to like a Comic Con type thing for he Lord of the Rings. He dresses up as an He dresses up as an elf. And he goes and hangs out with all these nerds, basically. Nerds. See, yeah. we like Lord of the Rings, but we're not nerds. We're not, yes. we're not dumb little nerds. We're cool about yeah. it. Yeah. We're like, we look good. <laughs> we're cool. We sound good. We do a podcast about it. We yeah. read it. Yeah. But we don't, uh, what? I don't put on clothes. I don't. I don't put on clothes. <laughs> no, I do it naked. Man. No, I'm not judging anyone who does that because it does. I mean, it does look fun, but it's just not my forte. Like yeah. I just, it just doesn't sound it's fun. To each me. their own. To each their own. But yeah, maybe, maybe one day. Maybe. Are one you day inviting great. me to one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know when they take place. Yeah. No, for real though. For, for real. Maybe. Uh, I, maybe if we go, I'll wear a Lord of the Rings shirt. Gucci, Gucci man, uh, a Gucci Lord of the Rings shirt. That'd be sick. sick. You know, um, start a flex on everybody with my Gucci Lord of the Rings shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's another one. Here's what another big one. Big one big so, one. the first pictures of the orcs for the Rings of Power Ooh. show were also released. You can find all these online if you literally look up Rings of Power's orcs on Google Images or something like that. You'll see them. One thing to note is that these orcs look more like vagabonds or like wayworn and stuff. And it was because after the first age, most of the orcs were actually destroyed and killed after this huge battle. And so they were all scattered in small groups. So it looks like they're all like kind of like in tight knit groups and stuff. There's not like vast armies of them yet. I mean, we probably will see vast armies of them later because Sauron will start to gain power and then he'll start to raise armies of them. But Mm -hmm. as of probably as of season one, they'll just be kind of like, small groups of orcs or there might be like small battalions and stuff like that and another interesting thing to note is they are not cgi orcs like in the hobbit which a lot of people are upset about they looked good in the hobbit but they weren't like scary looking yeah as kind of looked funny but (laughs) these ones are more akin to the orcs that you would see in lord of the rings as 
basically they're just people in prosthetics and bodysuits and stuff like that with mm-hmm. makeup. So it looks really good. And there's also going to be female orcs. Now, yeah. now here's my professional opinion on Grant's that. Grant's professional opinion. I have the quote pulled up if you it want is, to read it. Yeah, you can read it in a sec. Okay. It's, it's fine that there are female orcs because think yeah. about it. When Morgoth first took the elves in the very beginning of the – or when the elves first awoke, um, he took – you know, both male and female elves, and he tortured them, and they became orcs. So it would make sense there are male and female orcs. And also, besides, like, when there are no Dark Lords, because there, there was a few times when there were Mor- Morgoth and Sauron were not in Middle-earth, and there were times, you know, of absence from them, and mm-hmm. the orcs were still breeding somehow. How would they breed without the power of the Dark Lord? Well, it's because there are male and female orcs. When a male orc loves a female, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, the orcs know the birds and the bees, and so it makes sense that there's female orcs. So just don't like if you're pissed about it, like all oh, are female, but there's all it's supposed to be got. If there's female orcs, it's fine. Yeah, because the it's only the isn't it only the urukai who urukai the urukai urukai who come up from those like ooey gooey yeah like the mud pits or yeah. something like that. Yeah, so that's those, those aren't yeah. all the orcs. There's different types of orcs. Yeah, yeah. but so. Uh, I'll just quickly read the quote. Tolkien wrote in a letter in 1963, There must have been orc women, but in stories that seldom, if ever, see the orcs except as soldiers of armies in the service of the evil lords, would naturally, or we naturally would not learn much about their lives. Not much was known. Yeah, so there you go. Tolkien even said there would most likely be female orcs. So. And that just goes back to Tolkien saying he didn't come up with this stuff. He was just waiting for it to write it out. Yep. And there's also, I mean, you can look at the uh, the orcs, too, and they look like they kind of have an elvish look about their faces. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they look ugly, but, you know. Which which is cool because that kind of makes sense that over time their faces would morph more into, like, what we know orcs as. Right, yeah. But at the start, they'd be like elves. Yep. So, yeah, stop getting mad, guys. Come yeah. on. Yeah, settle down, guys. Jeez. I know you guys have been mad at Amazon, but, you know, come some slack. They, they pulled through on this one yeah um and then another huge piece of news oh this, this will be my last one because there's a lot of like random small things i'm but excited you can, about you this can look one. those up yeah you know what i'm talking about i know what Grant's talking um about. another thing is, is a new book was announced yeah. coming in Woo-hoo! i think you can first get it if you pre-order it, i think let you me can check get it right in october now of this year yeah of this year of 2022 if you pre-order it right now i think you can get it i think you can first get it as a hardcover i think the uh, paperback yeah. comes out later, but you can get the you can pre-order the hardcover and it comes out in October, I think, or you can get it in stores in November. I think that's what it was. Yes. Sorry, I just burped. Yeah, but, uh, comes out. Oh, November fifteenth. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, you can get it on Kindle for twenty one dollars. Nice. But forty dollars for the hardcover, which is understandable. It's a beautiful piece of work. But the name of the book is The Fall of Numenor. Um, so the fall of Numenor is basically going to be a collection of all, it says all second age tales, which is interesting because I feel like it would just be all second age Numenor tales, but it could just be, they include all second age tales in one big book because they all technically have something to do with the fall of Numenor. So unless Tolkien only wrote about the fall of Numenor in the second age, but we don't know. We'll find out. I mean, we do know, but no. 
I don't know. Um, anyway, so <laughs> so it's going to be like a, a big collection. So it's not like because usually it's like you have to like read part of it in the Silmarillion, part of it in Unfinished Tales, part of it in the appendices of the Return of the King and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But they're finally compiling it all into one book. So it's more like a cohesive story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty and cool. another speculation is that you know how the Rings of Power showrunners were like, well, we don't like we have access to the Hobbit and like the Lord of the Rings and the appendices and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, that's that that doesn't feel like a lot to go on for a whole like few seasons of the Second Age, you know, like you're gonna have to come up with a lot of stuff. Well, it's speculated that they have the rights for the like main books for Lord of the Rings, but it could also be that they struck a deal so that this book could come out. Yeah, come out. <laughs> it could come out uh, like about the time when the show's coming out, but they would have the rights to that book, mm-hmm. which means they have the rights to all of the Second Age stories. Yeah, which so is kind of cool. So yeah, maybe I mean. So it could be they have like everything they need to do a good show. Yeah, so, so maybe they the um, stuff where they're take where we feel like they're or they're taking creative liberties. Yeah, they're not actually. It's just from yeah. the. I guess we'll just have to wait and see on November fifteenth. Yep. And then uh and then so obviously uh the books are no longer going to be edited by Christopher Tolkien cuz he passed away what was it like a year or two ago. Yeah. Uh rest in peace my man. RIP um, C T. So, so the last book to come out which was last year uh September 2021 was the uh um, the Nature of Middle-Earth, yes. and that was edited by Carl Hofstetter, who was another Tolkien uh, expert and scholar who worked with the Tolkien estate. And uh, But this one, The Fall of Numenor, will be edited by Brian Sibley, who is another big Tolkien scholar. Um, so the book is in good hands. So yes, I'm, good not, hands. I'm not worried. I'm definitely going to get that book. And the, the uh, illustrations are also by Alan Lee. So it's it's along the same lines. Like if you ever see the Baron and Luthien, the Children of Hurin, and the Fall of Gondolin standalone books. Those are all illustrated by Alan Lee as well, so it's the same kind of book as that. It's like going to have a similar look to it. Yeah. I just looked, because I, I, Grant and I just talked about this recently, I like paperbacks better than hardcover, so yeah, I'm planning on waiting until the paperback of The Nature of Middle Earth comes out, which is supposed to come out in October of this year. It got pushed back to February of next year. So maybe I'll just cave in and buy the hardcover. Because yeah. it's also cheaper to buy the hardcover than... It's a few cents cheaper to buy the hardcover now than to pre-order the paperback. Paperback, yeah. See, here's my thing about hardcover. I like hardcover mostly because... Um, well, you get a you can get a dust sleeve with it. Mm-hmm. And I like that because, you know, I usually... When I read, I usually have like a, like a, a drink or I'm like eating something while I'm reading. Um and sometimes I get a little clumsy oh, no. and I might spill on it. Oh, no. And so it's like the dust cover is really nice. Also, when you're displaying it on a bookshelf, I think it looks a lot better because you don't get the crease lines in it. Mm-hmm. But when I am reading, like I, I do have a bunch of paperback Tolkien books because when I'm reading, it is easier to read like that. Mm-hmm. But when I'm reading, like in it eating and stuff like that, and I just have it laid down on a table, it's a lot nicer for me, I think. Yeah, I prefer paperbacks most of the time. Um, I do think they hardcovers look nicer. Yeah, I am reading a hardcover book right now, and it means it's going good. You know, it's the experience. I mean, the book's good, yeah. but I mean the experience of reading it. Yeah, it's nice. You know, it's good to hear. But yeah, so is that everything for? Yeah, that that's all the huge uh, 
updates that we have so far. So yeah. uh, one is about the War of the Rohirrim. Miranda Otto is reprising her mm-hmm. uh, role as the voice of Eowyn. Congratulations, Miranda. Yep, and then we've got a new promo video for Rings of Power. We've mm-hmm. got uh, new pictures of the orcs released for Rings of Power, and then we've got a new book coming out in the fall, which wow. I'm very excited for. Big things are happening. Yep. Big things are happening. Big I'm excited, dude. Yeah. Oh, and then also, actually, this just oh, happened no. like today. This just in. Um, Breaking news. The Rings of Power. Uh, it it wasn't anything special, but the Rings no. of Power dropped like a another like 15 second teaser trailer, and it's basically all the same footage as the teaser trailer we got during the Super Bowl mm-hmm. of this year, um, but it was just 15 seconds. But basically, it was um, there were new words on it, and it says, uh, "Not everything is evil." in the beginning so it's either hinting at the fall of Numenor you know Mm -hmm. and it might be because it was correlating with the book coming out and it was kind Mm -hmm. of like preparing for that it could also be Sauron because at first he seems very like nice and pleasant he calls himself Anatar the Lord of Gifts Mm -hmm. he gives people gifts G-I-F-T-S not like gifts like G-I-F yeah no they don't they didn't have those in Middle Earth Um, so it could be a reference to Sauron or it could be a reference to the elves wanting to forge the rings of power to preserve the natural wonder of middle earth but then it eventually became evil because sauron forged the one ring yes. so it really has a correlation to a lot of second age things which is pretty cool mm-hmm. that yeah. is cool so hopefully they drop like an actual trailer soon with uh like a lot more content that we haven't seen yet maybe they'll have the orcs in there mm-hmm. that'd be pretty cool yeah so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. This was a fun episode. I like this yeah. episode. And we've got what is it? It's the end of June. I mean, well, it'll this episode will air in July, right? Uh, yeah. Because I'm this the la- very last week of June. Fourth of July, I think. Really? Well, oh, yeah. for those not in the states, that's Independence Day. Yeah. That's when we left you guys from. If you're in England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Clarify. <laughs> that's that. when we left you guys. That's when we left England. We still like our European listeners, but we're not we're not going back out. Yeah. Just no. kidding. I've never been to you. England. I would like to go to England. Why don't we take a podcast, a uh, company trip to England? Company, yeah. With all the money we're making off ads, we have Just made kidding. money off ads, but not very much. <laughs> not yeah. enough to go to England. No, not enough. Um, probably not even enough to fill up a tank of gas. So no, <laughs> <laughs> no, we can can't get very far. Um, oh, what was I about to say? Night. Oh uh, yeah, so it'll be Fourth of July when this drops. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means. Wait, we got July, August, and then it's like the very beginning of September. September 2nd. September 2nd. So we only have two months until the Rings of Power yeah. airs. I have to go to a wedding on September 2nd, so. Ooh. So you're going to have to watch it the next day. What or is, or watch. I feel like it. I don't know when it comes out. I'd probably watch it in the morning. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I bet it doesn't come out at night. So. I don't know. Um, but September yeah. September 2nd is like what? Like a Friday or Saturday then? I think so. It's a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so this was a fun episode to do. I enjoyed doing the research. Next week is Grant's, or next episode is Grant's I will be talking about, yeah, Norse mythology, Greek mythology, uh, Germanic mythology, Celtic mythology, Finnish mythology. Um, Oh, you're done? I think that's about it, yeah. Finnish Finnish mythology. Finnish mythology. I'm done, I'm finished. He's done. Yeah, Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, But there are, I only did like a, like a, overview of this stuff if you guys enjoy this episode let us know because we can do more in-depth on yeah. specific things both grant and i because grant there's grant you'll probably be doing like an overview too yeah and 
but there's like things you can go in depth on. Oh yeah. yeah. So if you want more classic literature or mythology, let us know. Yeah. I'm personally excited. I mean, the Hobbit deep dive was really fun because mm-hmm. I got to like, like, deep dive basically. Dive deep. Yeah, dive deep. So it was it was interesting because I got to research as I was reading. Mm-hmm. But I really like the lore stuff. I really like talking about these like obscure things that not a lot of people have heard of. So I'm really excited now that we've kind of moved on. We will eventually get to the Lord of the Rings books themselves, but yeah, and probably the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. But but that's way down That'll the road. Be. And the road goes ever on and on. Ah, there we go. Yeah. And we're going to end with that because that was really good. Thank you. So, yeah. yeah here Goodbye, we go. everyone.